You're listening to the True Life Church podcast. To learn more about True Life Church, including our service times in Melbourne, Florida, visit us online at truelifemelbourne.com or find us on Facebook. Today's message comes from one of our favorite guest speakers. Lord God, I pray that you would use the words that Lance speaks this morning, that it would change our lives, change our hearts, change our way of thinking, that we would leave here different people today, but not for the afternoon, not for the evening, for the rest of our lives, that we would become more like you because of the words that you speak through your servant, Lance. So God, be with us. We love you. And all God's people said, amen. Can you hear me? Yes, you can. Hey, good morning. I am not Josh. I will say this. I did get a little bit more notice than, you know, 8 o'clock this morning. Thank you, Josh, if you're watching. So we're going to do our communion. I know that's a great segue into communion. Hopefully, as we worshiped, Seeing to God, you were preparing your heart at that time. Um, but we're going to do it differently, so Signa may get mad, but it's just the way we're going to do it, all right? Um, I do have two elders, so Brad and David. I'm gonna, we're going to pass it out today instead of you walking up there and doing all that. So if you guys want to go grab that. <clears throat> I know the past few weeks we've done different things where Josh has, um, you know, had us you know, repent openly for things we've done, um, just really to prepare us for taking, you know, communion, the Lord's Supper, whatever you want to call it, you know, and, and, and we, those are good things, I'm not going to lie, um, but I, we're going to do it quietly at our, at our seat today, okay, just something a little, you know, different than we've done the past few weeks, but th- there's things I know that are on our hearts and our minds as, as we do this, um, I know this isn't personal for us um, in the sense of, like, my, my relationship with Jesus and God, but, you know, we're, we're in an attitude of prayer during this time. There's things going on in our world that, I mean, let's just say it, that suck, okay, that are terrible. And as we're in an attitude of prayer and, and really coming to the Lord with with what we have and taking this this bread and the you know as Josh likes to tell us every week the concord grape juice you know we prepare our hearts and our our bodies and our lives for service for Jesus think about what's going on in the world too you know I read an article about the church in Ukraine the big C okay and they basically said hey if we have to go underground we'll go underground we've done it before We'll do it again to advance the gospel. They're not going away, which is great. You know, they, they may not have the freedom to do this, what we're doing right now. Pray for them. Hopefully you have been. I was told about another article yesterday where China has now moved naval ships off the coast of Taiwan. 
which if you know anything about that part of the world, that's bad news. They're just doing, you know, practices. What is it called? Exercises, okay? Um, my brother, his wife, I didn't want to say my sister-in-law because you all know me and know I have two sister-in-laws here, but my brother's wife, her family is missionaries to Taiwan. And when asked numerous times over the past year, two years, how does your family feel about what's going on, about what could happen? And the answer is always, ah, they're not worried. They're not worried about it. And I told Eric yesterday, I said, it's because they know what they're called to do. They were called to Taiwan to preach the gospel and to tell people about Jesus. They weren't, God did not call them there to run in the face of danger. And we can sit here in our churches, in our nice air-conditioned rooms, and sometimes when it's cold outside, the heat comes on. And yet there are people that go to their church and are scared for their lives. But yet there are, there are missionaries that go because they were called to do something. And when Jesus calls you somewhere, he's going to equip you. He's going he's gonna, to he's gonna see it to the end because he called you there for a reason. So as, as, as you are taking communion, as, you're, as you are preparing your heart and your, your, yourself to take that, remember those things. Think about what has God called you to do. Because it's something. He's called each and every one of us to do something. It is not to come here on Sunday morning and sit here, listen, and then leave. Okay? He's called you to do something. There are people that are putting your life, not my life, in your life that need to know who Jesus is. And the way that's going to happen is by you doing this, okay, blah, 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 say something, okay? The way that's going to happen is you living your life the way Jesus has told you to live your life. We're going to get into that today, okay? So I'm going to pray real quick, and you take your communion as you want, but let's pray about this. God, we, we don't take communion lightly. We know that as you passed it out to the disciples, you told them, this is my body which is broken for you. And we know that your body was beaten. Almost unrecognizable. And you were broken. You were a broken man. And you tell us this bread represents that. And as we take it, remember. Remember what you did. Remember what you did on the cross. Remember what you did leading up to the cross. God, you give them the wine. You say, this is my blood which was poured out for you. God, we know without the pouring out of blood, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of our sins. We know that without the blood of Jesus... We are just having a meeting about nothing right now. But because you went to the cross, your body was broken, your blood was shed, we come here unworthy to worship you, to praise you for what you did, what you've done, what you're going to do, 
but more importantly, for who you are. So God, as we take these elements, let us remember that. And let us go on throughout our week knowing that Jesus is Lord and Jesus is ruler of all. God, we love you. And I pray that our lives reflect that this week. Amen. So my printer messed up yesterday. Actually, it's been messed up. So I may have to bend down, or I may have to have somebody hold this. I'm getting old, too. My, uh, my printer messed up. Oh, there we go. Look at this guy. My printer messed up, and I wasn't able to print off the way I like my stuff printed off. But hey, I've got, well, yeah, sermon.com just wouldn't work for me anymore. Um, I'm just joking. But, so I do have to make this admittance. So I was going to do it before communion, but it's it kind of a joke too. But um, I need to repent to my church family. <clears throat> Something happened yesterday, and I laughed. And um, I guess if I don't repent for it, you know, I'm, I may go to hell because of it. The, uh, my son, I went to the park with my family yesterday, and I thought my son was opening the door, yelling at his cousins, you know, hi and everything. Um, apparently the door wasn't the thing open. The window was open, and his head was sticking out of it. And he's yelling at them, hi, hi. And I'm not paying attention. I'm going to turn the car off, so I'm going to roll the windows up. So I start, <laughs> I start rolling that window up. Hey, man, all right, we're getting out of the car. Let's go. Hi, Addy. You know, he's yelling all this stuff, and the window's going, and all I hear is, ah! And I see Harrison coming around like, no, stop, stop. So I stopped, and I laughed. I repent of that, because that is what would probably make him go to hell. But he, um, he's screaming and crying, and I, I'm laughing. I'm trying not to let him see me laugh, though, but it, uh, it was funny. So then I, I get him, and I see blood. I'm like, oh, oh gosh, how am I going to explain this? So I'm trying to get him to lift up his lips and everything, just make sure all his teeth are there. And well, as they were, he did, he did lose a tooth, not because of what I did. He lost it early in the week. But he's fine, and I'm back in good graces with the Lord. So it's all good. It was, it was funny, though. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> so mess with me again, and I'll roll your face up in a window, okay? That's, that's the moral of the story. I don't put up with that. All right. So if you were given a blank canvas like this, let's say, ooh, there just so happens to be one. See, I'll put it right here, though. And I told you, hey, I want you to come up here, and I want you to paint a picture of Jesus. Whatever you think he looks like, Okay? You have a palette of all the colors imaginable. I said, paint a picture of what you think Jesus looks like. And these are just cheapo brushes. You can, you know, if we had different brushes and we were real painters and Rob Boss was up here to do it, he could probably knock it out. But what colors would you use? You know, think about it his hair color, his skin tone, his eyes. How would you make his lips look? 
I've got a few pictures. If you look this way, this is where pictures are. I mean, we obviously have the American Jesus because back in 12 BC, we know that he traveled over here. And, um, you know, here we go. Just the lovely, pretty face, long, nice-looking hair. Um, Oh, here he is. I mean, look at his clothes. There's no stains on that. You tell me you're walking around outside all day long in the dirt and mud and stuff. His hands are nice and clean. That's American Jesus right there. That's Jehovah Witness Jesus. It's, who knows? What's the next picture? Okay. So we got that guy, pretty blue eyes. Here's from the Passion. Um, that's TV Jesus. I mean, come on. That guy does not look like, that may be what you paint. That may be what you picture right there. I don't know. So in reality, more so, it probably looked like this guy, you know, from Middle Eastern looking man. I don't know if I'd agree with the short hair. I don't know how many barbers they had back then. Um, you know, check out his nose, dark skin, dark eyes, you know, big old bushy eyebrows. I mean, I don't, I, honestly, I don't, I don't know how well-groomed these people were back then. I mean, scissors, I don't think, made its way. Um, is that the last picture? Yes. So, I mean, when I first said that, you probably had a picture in your mind of things that you've seen a million times. A lot of those pictures we've seen numerous times, you know. Um, but what did he really look like? What did he really look like? The good news is, is I'm not going to sit here and try to figure out his physical features. You know, how big was his nose? How far apart were his eyes? Did he have big bushy eyebrows? I don't know. You can look at the region historically and figure it out. Okay, but we're not going to do that today. I want to know what Jesus looked like if you walked in here. Would we recognize him? Not just some random person that is a visitor, okay? Not that, but he would be a visitor, you know, if he walked up in here. And, excuse me, I need a drink. But would we recognize him? If we ran into him at Publix, if he was the person in front of us at Publix that had four cartfuls of stuff and you have four items, okay, is that him in front of you and now you're getting upset? Like, would you recognize that's Jesus? First of all, let's, let's reverse that. You've got the four carts because, you know, Jesus can feed thousands of people with just a couple of fish and, and bread, okay? So he's got the four items. You're the one who has the four carts. Like, would you know that was Jesus in front of you? If, if you were walking at the mall, if you were at Disney, if you were at SeaWorld or Universal or whatever, would you recognize Jesus if he was walking amongst you? Would you recognize him standing in the line as he interacts with the, the, the characters and the people that tell you to go on, you know, whatever it is? Would you know that was Jesus? Would you know it was him at work, at school? Our scripture today, if you want to turn there, is John. Let's break this down for a second. In verses 1 and 2, we read, Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning, he came again to the temple. 
all the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. So we see unlike a lot of us, well, I don't say us. I'm not included in this because I am an early riser. Jesus is an early riser. Okay? Early in the morning, he came to the temple. So he was up pretty early. We don't know what time it was to get ready to go to the temple. Why? Because he knew the importance of teaching. Jesus knew that it was important for him to get in front of people and teach them. Hence the name rabbi. It means teacher, for those of you who do know that. So what does Jesus look like? First thing we see here is Jesus, he's a teacher. Jesus is a teacher. Teachers never stop teaching. Okay? If you are a teacher, if you were a teacher, you teach. Like, that's something you enjoy doing. And you don't stop. Whether it be with your own kids, with kids at a school, with kids at a, a daycare, anything like that. Like, you don't stop doing it. It's just in you. Learners never stop learning. If you enjoy learning stuff, if you enjoy looking at books, I enjoy looking at books. If you enjoy reading books, okay, and learning new things, all right, like you want to do that. That is something that I have never, ever in my life wanted to do. Okay, read a book. Reading is fundamental. That's what they say. But learners never stop learning. Leaders never stop leading. If you're a leader, you never stop doing that. It is, it's in you to lead people, to lead something, to lead your family, to lead your friends, to lead at work, to lead at school. Leaders don't stop being leaders, okay? Good learners, good leaders are learners, and good leaders are teachers. Let me say that again without mumbling. Good leaders are learners, and good leaders are teachers, and they can show by example. So if you are a good leader, you, you're a good learner. You, like, you want to learn new things. You want to be able to learn, to be able to, to lead better. And if you're a good leader, you're a good teacher. You are leading your people. You are leading the people that are following you, the people that are trusting you. You are teaching them something. It may not be with words that you're saying, standing in front of people and, and teaching them something. It may be the way you're acting. You know, it may be, how many of you have parents? I mean, everybody, everybody has parents, okay? How many of you, when you were little, said to yourself, I'm not going to raise my kid like that? Most people did, and chances are you probably ended up raising your kid like that. But where did you learn how to or not to Raise your child from the leader that you had, from the parent that you had. You know, you, you learn by observing as well. So we see that Jesus, he was a teacher. He knew the scriptures and he taught them. Jesus knew the scriptures and he taught them. He didn't just go to the synagogue or the temple and wing it, okay, he knew the scriptures to begin with. 
and he taught them. Next in verse 3, we see this, we see this reading on. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery. And placing her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. So what do you say? This they said to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. So I, I think I've always heard historically and stuff like that, I mean, it's probably more of a setting like this, where Jesus is kind of in the middle and people are just around and he's just teaching, okay? Now, I don't know if there were, there were sweet aisles where people could come through, okay? I don't know that. But at some point in the middle of him talking, okay, the crowd splits. And the Pharisees bring this woman, and, and, and they, they put her down. They throw her down in the middle there, in the midst of everyone, okay? Caught in the act, like you were doing the act, and you were caught. There's none of this, it wasn't me, or check my text messages. I never talked to that person ever, okay? No, 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 you were caught right-handed. Your, your hand was in the cookie jar, okay? So we can assume that this lady is either A, naked, or very, very little clothing on. And she's thrown in the middle of a crowd, just thrown here. How embarrassing is it? First off, to be caught. I mean, how many of us have, have had that sin in our life that we think is hidden well? And then something happens and you're, you're found out. Like, how embarrassed are you when it is found out? But there she is. She's found out. Embarrassed, naked, afraid because I'm sure they weren't pleasant to her as they drug her to where Jesus was. I'm sure they weren't just silent either. Let's go. I'm sure there were words being tossed around to her. We're we're about to stone you. You're about to die. Okay? So afraid, scared. Where are you taking me? You know, think about what's going through the woman's head. We see that Jesus was a patient man, though. Think about it for a second, too. He's in the middle teaching, like I'm in the middle of class, and all of a sudden this, the crowd splits again, and in comes a group of people and throws a woman, again, naked or almost naked woman in front of me. And Jesus... He doesn't, like, raise his voice. He doesn't say, what, what's going on back there? Can, can you guys, hey, can you all stop talking? Oh, oh, what is this? You know, no. He's, he's, a, he's a patient man. He almost, uh, he almost welcomes the disturbance. I mean, it's Jesus. He, he knows what's about to happen anyway. But he just kind of. Well, we see what he does. 
in James chapter 1, it says, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. So what does Jesus look like? He's quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. He's teaching again in the middle of the crowd, and the disturbance comes, and he just kind of, okay, let's see what this is about. You know, and they come and throw the woman down. Let me listen to what they're going to say now. Let's, let's hear this. Instead of stopping them before they even talk. He's going to let them, let them go ahead and, and bring out what, what it is. Like, why did you come here? Slow to speak. Slow to anger. He wanted to hear it. You know, Twitter and Facebook, all those things, they can be great tools. They, they honestly can. I don't know how many, where I went to school, the Bible college I went to, you know, we have a, a missions department and missionaries all over the world. And I don't know how many times I get on Facebook and I see those missionaries asking for prayers or telling a story about something that happened or um, even pastors that I, pastor friends I have, you know, all across the world that, that tell us things. Without it, we wouldn't know these things. You know, the, the way that it worked in, in, in the, 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 I don't want to say denomination, it's a Baptist denomination, um, the, the, the people we're affiliated with was if you were a missionary, you went away for four years and you came back and spent a year traveling to all the churches that support you. And then you give um, an account for what's been going on the past four years. You know, and you tell them, hey, man, so, you know, last year we had, you know, 2,000 people get saved and baptized or, you know, this happened. We built, we built an orphanage, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, without, without this social media stuff, you know, you may not know these things. You may have to wait four years to hear from that person or something like that. Or some of them may never do that. I don't know what other people do. You know, as a Southern Baptist Convention, I mean, you know, very rarely do we hear from the missionaries. But it can also be garbage. And I know most parents in the room will say, I'm going to go with that one. It's garbage. It can be terrible. How many times have we heard in the news about, you know, Twitter wars or, um, you know, two celebrities that, you know, they were fighting each other on, you know, social media. One person says this, the other one, you know, tweets back this, and this goes on and on and on. It's one of those things. So this is kind of a side note here. So if you are a young person and you have one of those things or thinking of getting it or your parents are going to let you have one, okay, every time before you hit enter, like reread what you're saying. And then before you hit enter, maybe go to bed and then wake up the next day and reread what you're going to say. Because here's the thing about this. I know, I know, you know, I mean, I have a 13-year-old daughter. She does all this garbage stuff too. Snapchat is really cool, okay, because I can snap you and then it disappears. Guess what? It doesn't disappear, okay? It's somewhere. Every, everything that you put in that stuff can and will come back to, you know, bite you in the rear. I guarantee it. 
okay? So if you are a young person, remember that, okay? Don't put dumb stuff on the internet, okay? <laughs> Do you understand that? Trust me on that. So that's a side note. Jesus didn't play on Twitter. He thought I was dumb too. Um, so there's a lesson. I mean, even older people. You have to be a young person, you know? I mean, just watch what you put. Watch what you put. We don't know exactly what Jesus wrote on the ground. So we see him doing all that. They come, they throw her down. He stands there, listens to what he says. And the coolest thing in the world, I think, you know, he, he just bends down. He's going to show my age here. Oh, I have to get back up. He bends down and starts riding in the sand or dirt, whatever it says. Nobody knows, nobody knows what it was he was riding. It doesn't tell us that. There's different theories on what he wrote in the sand. Some scholars say it was to distract his eyes, maybe, from the woman thrown in the midst. Again, we can argue that she was not wearing a lot, okay? And Jesus, being God, doesn't need to see that. So maybe it was to distract his eyes. I don't know. Some say it was the law. So as they're saying all this stuff and saying, well, the law says this, Jesus then starts to write out, because Jesus knows the scriptures, he starts to write this out. Leviticus 20.10, if a man commits adultery with the wife of his neighbor, both the adulterer and the adulteress shall surely be put to death. He then goes on to write Deuteronomy 22.22, if a man is found lying with the wife of another man, both of them shall die. The man who lay with the woman and the woman. So you shall purge the evil from Israel. Could he have been writing the law out? Because they've done screwed up. They've done messed it up anyway. How are you going to come to me and tell me what the law says when you don't even do what the law says? Where's the man at? If she's caught in the act of adultery, it takes more than one. Where's he at? He's chilling at home. He popped open a Pepsi because that's garbage drink. It wasn't a Coca-Cola or Dr. Pepper. Obviously, he's a garbage man. Okay? So that's what happened. Okay? But where is he at? So don't, don't, again, don't come at me with, hey, man, the law says this is what should happen to her. Maybe. We don't know. We don't know what he wrote. Some scholars say he started to write out the sins of, of the accusers. Whoa. How? I, I like the last two. The first one, I can, I, sure, I can see that, but I'm going to say probably not. Again, this is my opinion, okay? This isn't fact. I like the latter two. I like either, either he wrote down the law or he was writing the sins of all the accusers. Can you imagine standing there, bringing, bringing someone else who has sin and throwing her down in front of Jesus and Jesus bending down and started writing out all the things that you've done wrong, all the sins that you have in your life. First off, how do you know who I am? You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm sorry, buddy. I mean, it's you write down his sins. Don't write down mine. You know, I haven't introduced myself to you, Jesus. How do you know this? And he's writing them out now where everybody can see. You're standing there. 
these two names. I, I know these were names in the Bible days back then. Hekeliah, oh, heck, Eliah, and Oopsadiah. Oops. And your sins are starting to be written out for all to see. Would you want your dirty laundry put out there for all of us to see? Is it something you're like, you know what, you brought my stuff down. Let's see you do that. No. Okay, you're looking over at Oopsadiah saying, dude, I hope you don't go to that back order. Like, oh, you be next, you know? I mean, come on, man. I mean, that's, that's, some, that's, some, that's some big stuff. We see in verse 7, as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more he bent down and wrote again. So again, you know, he's, he, he, he's down there. He's writing whatever it is, okay? You pick, pick whatever you want, okay? He's writing this stuff down. And they're like pressing him, like, give us an answer. Like, what do you say? We're, forget what you're writing. What, why, are they, why were they still pressing him for this? Could it be to distract him from whatever it was he was writing? Did they feel dumb? Like, oh, that's what the law says. Okay, well, let's just get an answer. Let's just get an answer on her. We'll bring him later, you know? Like, what was the reason? You have kids. If you have kids, you know, you get those questions, and it's just question, 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 question. Leave me alone. We'll talk about it later, okay? Like, how many times does that happen? And Jesus has got to be, not that he's a frustrated man, but he stands up. And he gives his answer. He doesn't give the answer they're looking for. What answer are they looking for? They're looking for the answer of, yeah, stone her. And then again, they want to catch him. It's a test. They want to catch him because the law does say the man is well. But if Jesus says, stone her, and never asks where the man is, is he really who he says he is? You know, they're trying to catch him. I'm going to catch him in something. No, you're not. But good try. But he stands up and tells them, let him who's without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. Which could go back to what was he writing? Could he have been writing the sins of the people? And then now it's like, well, guess what? Oopsadiah and Hecaliah, they have all these sins. Like, there's no way they can stone her. And I could go on and on and on and write something about every one of you. then he just goes back down and starts riding in the sand again. Like he just stands up and, 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 I mean, tell us, give us your answer. You know, what's the deal? Bam, stands up, gives the answer, and goes back down doing what he's doing. And again, patient man, patient man, not getting upset, not telling them probably what he really, as a human, really wants to tell them, okay? But... He gives, he gives the God answer that only Jesus could give. He goes back down to doing what he's doing. The Pharisees were persistent. He didn't fall in the trap. He didn't, allow them to, he didn't allow them to phase him. What does Jesus look like? So another thing Jesus looks like is confident. He's confident in what he says. He's confident when he speaks. He answers the question and goes back to writing. You know, it's a great, when we sit there and say, you know, I want to look like Jesus. I want, I want to be like Jesus. Okay? I mean, these are all great attributes to have. 
and to be confident in what you're doing, to be confident in, in the scriptures and knowing them. Could, could we do that? If someone asks you a question, you know, and I know Josh has talked about this, you know, back when, whenever, I don't, I couldn't give you a day, but, you know, I mean, you need to be, you need to be ready. You need to know the reason that you believe what you believe. And you got to be confident in it. And if you're not confident in it, like, get confident in it. I know that, like, I don't, I don't mean that just like, but just do it then. No, do it. Like, daily read the scriptures. And if you don't understand something, go look it up. Know what it is that you believe and know why you believe it and why it is right and somebody else's may be wrong. Okay? Know those things. I tell you right now, here's a, here's a shameless plug, okay? Small groups, okay? If you want to know these things, and I'm not saying we sit there and talk about everything we believe and all that stuff, but the small groups go through the Bible. They read the scriptures, and they talk about them. You know, Brad's is going through discipling, right? And, okay, I mean, like, how to disciple or how to become a disciple, really, and all that stuff. Like, if you don't know those things, join a small group. It's not too late. Travis's group, I don't even what y'all talk about. Second Peter, okay? Not, not Peter's first brother, but the second brother. Okay? And they're going through that. And if you're, you know, I mean, anything. I mean, what, 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 what's the theme of that? So there you go. Watch out for false teachers, okay? If these are things that are like, you know, I, like I don't know about that. Why, why in the world does Josh stand up here and talk about these people all the time? And we need to watch out for them because they are all around, you know? And it's just something, hey, man, remember, good leaders are learners, okay? And if you want, if you want, to, be able to, if you want to be able to lead your family well and lead in your community, lead in your 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 work, leading your school, like learn things. Get plugged into a Bible study. I know Travis's group has 400 people at it. He'll be glad to add another one. Brad's has 200. You know, they'll be glad to add more people to it. I guarantee you that. They're not going to say, sorry, seat's taken. You know, they're going to do it. We see next in the, in the, in the verses here, verse A9 says, but when they heard it, talking about the Pharisees, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones, and Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. So I love this picture, okay, and picture it in your mind too. She's sitting there, lying there, prepared to be stoned, okay? She knows, she, she does know what, she's, what she faces, I don't know, you can, you can imagine, you know, as they walk down dusty roads and now she's a little dirty and, and, you know, tears probably, you know, are becoming like mud on her face. She's crying, her eyes may be closed. Picture it though. Your eyes closed thinking the next thing you feel is going to be a stone that busts you upside the head. 
and all of a sudden you hear just stones dropping to the ground. All you've been able to hear the whole time is them questioning Jesus, what should we do with her? And Jesus saying, hey, you that has no sin, you be the first one to throw the stone. So she, she knows it's coming, but what she hears is just stones hitting the ground. Like what a picture that is. Imagine Jesus literally standing there. Actually, he was bent back down. And now the older ones who supposedly knew the law probably the best, let's say, one by one, drop their stone and leave. And Jesus is knelt down. I love this because you don't know what, like, is he, is he still riding? Or is he, like, like, does he start to hear the stones and just like, looks up and just sees them start to leave? Just sees them all start to leave. And what happens is, <clears throat> I mean, let's, let's, let's use this, this guy as an example. If he's got a stone ready to hurl at somebody because, you know, he's been, he's been taught the law. You know, he goes to all those classes, okay, and, you know, dad is there with him, and dad's pumped, because, like, who doesn't like to throw rocks, you know, <laughs> so, hey, man, we're, we're about to nail this lady, this will be fun, is that, is that a good rock, oh, yeah, that's a good one, okay, you who are without sin, throw the first stone, crap, so now he just walks away, and now the son is just left there like, well, what do I do? Like, this is supposed to be a father-son moment. Well, I guess I'm gone too then. He drops his head. I mean, I mean, seriously, the kids are, I mean, young people are going to follow their parents, you know? I mean, there's, there's always probably that one exception, probably the pastor's kids <coughs> that may stay. Like, no, I'm doing this, you know? But no, you followed your parents. And if the older ones were leaving, if the dads were leaving, if grandpas were leaving, man, your, your, your youth were going as well. And Jesus, Jesus is just there, just kneeling down, watching it all unfold, thinking, yeah, you try to test me again. I'll roll your head up in a window. You know? I don't put up with that. That's great. It's great stuff, though. And all she, and again, all she heard was stones hitting the ground, not her. That's great. The crowd cleared out. Remember, remember at the beginning, in verse two or three, I believe, it said um, he was teaching all the people, all the people. Now that doesn't mean every single person that ever lived on the face of the earth at that moment was there, but I'm going to assume that it was a large crowd. He was teaching all the people, the ones that wanted to get up early and meet him there. He was teaching all the people. Where did all of them go? Where did all the people go? Did, did they not stay and watch what was unfolding? And maybe, maybe they, the disturbance came in, and they were like, come on, guys. All right, let's go. I'm not going to watch this. Let's go. You know, so they leave. I mean, I, I, I don't know. Let's see. Um, did they not want to see their sins written out too? 
I mean, if Jesus is down there writing people's sins out, did, hey, man, I'm not about to let my stuff be, be shown. Let's get out of here, okay? Oops, Elijah, that can be, that can be you, buddy, not me, okay? Did they, did they stick around and when there would be no stoning, they left? Was it like, you know, well, well I didn't pick up a stone, but I got to see this. Oh, there's not going to be one today? Oh, man. Let's go find somebody else doing something wrong. Maybe we'll handle that one or something. I don't know. Or, or, or did all the people, did they drop their stones too? I mean, it doesn't tell us how many people had stones and tell us that stuff. But did they all have it and just like, well, I guess we're not doing that today, thud, you know? But all the crowd cleared out. And there were two people left. And the scripture tells us what? It says, Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Picture it. Visualize it. Visualize an an area, a temple. And there's people all around. And then there's not. And the two people that are left standing is Jesus himself and the woman who was brought to him to die. Standing there in front of the master, the one that created you. That's really cool. At times I wish I could be left alone. And the only two is Jesus face to face with me. Like how amazing would that be? You know what's cool about that? Physically, yes, we can't have that right now. All right? The man Jesus is not going to stand in front of me. But every day of our lives, we have a chance to go to the throne room of God. We have a chance to stand before Jesus by reading his word, by going and praying to him daily. How many? We don't have to come. People don't have to drag us to the midst of Jesus. People don't have to do that. They don't have to drag you there in hopes that we're going to have a fun time and stone you just so you can be in front of Jesus. You can do that any day of the week, any moment of the day that you want to. You want to be before Jesus? Close your eyes and start praying. You want to be before Jesus? You want to be before the Creator? Start talking to Him. Just be that weirdo that starts talking to God out loud wherever you are. Okay? You want to be before Jesus? You want to stand before Jesus? Open your Bible up and read it. Okay? He's there. He's waiting for you to come and have that time with him. That's all he wants. What a great picture, though, of her standing there. All her sins, her embarrassment, her her shame, everything she has. Again, naked as can be. That's how we need to come to Jesus. Naked, bearing everything for him to see because he already knows it all anyway. But standing before him, That, that verse right there will preach by itself, I'll tell you that. Every day we can do this, though. We can come to him with everything we have, just like she, she had no choice. But she was there. Here's the big finish, though. The conversation Jesus has with the woman. Jesus says this. He stood up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. 
And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. I love this idea that as one by one they dropped their stones and left. Jesus stayed kneeling. What did he do? Did he just watch them go? We, We talked about that. He stands up. And here we go, back to what does Jesus look like? So what does Jesus look like? He looks, he looks, he looks like authority. Who, who else could say what he said? Who else could give that answer only Jesus could give? You who is without sin throw the first stone, okay? If one of us said that, we'd be laughed at, and we might get hit with the stone as well. Only Jesus could be the one to say that. So authority, man, that he, 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 he has authority. Something else Jesus looks like is, is compassion. He, he has compassion. He didn't, he didn't condemn the woman. He didn't. He told her to go and sin no more. He could have. I mean, he's Jesus. He has all the authority in the world. He, he can do whatever he wants to do. But he shows compassion on her says, go and sin no more. Neither do I condemn you. Jesus looks like this. And we know know this scripture. Galatians 5, verse 22 says, Through the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. Gentleness and self-control. You want to know what Jesus looks like? Read that. He shows these attributes all the time. He lives it. He is it. Would you recognize Jesus if he came into the room? Moreover, can someone see Jesus in you? I think that's even the bigger question. Like I said before, these, these things, what does Jesus look like? Matthew 28, we know this scripture as well, the Great Commission. Starting in verse 16, it says this. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. What does Jesus look like? Jesus is a teacher. The Great Commission just said to do that. Teach them. So you, you want to look like Jesus? Teach them. Jesus is patient. Slow to speak. Slow to anger. Quick to listen. Okay? He's confident. He says, all authority has been given to me. And he passes that to, to you. You have the Holy Spirit. There's nothing to be afraid of. Okay? Fear doesn't exist. Because the Holy Spirit is with you. You want to be confident when you're talking to somebody? You want to be confident in what you know? Like I said, man, study the scriptures. Study what Jesus does. Study what they say. 
man, be confident in that stuff because you, you, you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. He, he has authority. We just talked about that, the Great Commission again. He has compassion. We see that time and time again in Jesus' life. He has compassion for people. And the fruit of the Spirit. So, as the band comes up, I guess to do another song, um, I want I want you to do this. I want you to close your eyes, and I'm going to read a story. I want you to listen to the listen to the story as your eyes are closed, and I want you to visualize the story as I read it and get the picture of what Jesus looks like. So as the story's being read, and everything that we just kind of talked about and, and, and what, we, what we can probably see Jesus looking like with these attributes, picture it in your mind. The band's going to start playing, and then when we're done reading the story, they're going to... It'll sing us another sing us another song, and um, you know you can spend time there with Jesus and yourself. But listen to the words of this story. So close your eyes for me. It says just moments ago, she had enjoyed all the thrills of sleeping with a man she shouldn't have. Only a short time later, she stood naked and beaten before a group of men in the temple of all places. A thousand thoughts raced through her mind. She wanted so badly to be clothed, to get out of there, and to turn back time. Thoughts of the disgrace and embarrassment that her family would own because of her actions haunted her. The men around her began asking questions to a well-known, if not famous, rabbi. Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. So what do you say? When she heard this question, she thought of dying on that very day, overwhelmed her. The thought of dying on that very day overwhelmed her so much that she began to sob out loud. She knew the law. It was sacred and holy. She knew she had to face death for her actions. To not do so would break the very law these men were commanded to enforce. She knew her fate and threw herself down the ground waiting for the rabbi's command. But he said nothing. The crowd grew irritated and began asking repeatedly the same question, increasing their volume. But still, he said nothing. She wanted to know what was happening, what the outcome would be as fear and shame raced through her. It seemed like eternity. All the while, she was waiting for the first stone to come flying out of nowhere and hit her. She just wanted it all to be over. How could it have come to this? She had betrayed her God, her family, and her husband. Sorrow finally overcame her, and all that flowed through her mind were the words, I'm sorry, over and over again. Finally, The rabbi said, let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. 
the next thing she heard were stones hitting the ground one by one. She looked up and saw only the rabbi there. He asked the woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She lowered her head and immediately began to weep uncontrollably. Suddenly, she felt a hand on her hand, a hand on her head, and a blanket cover her bare shoulders. She didn't want to have, she didn't want to have to raise her head to look the rabbi in the face. Although the threat of death was gone, shame and guilt were as present as they had been, ever been. She started to wish they would have killed her anyway. The rabbi called to her again, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? Through her tears, she answered, No one, Lord. The rabbi gently lifted her head up with his hand. As her eyes met his, a strange quiet fell over her entire being. And for a few moments, he stared into her soul. Then he said, Neither do I condemn you. Go 